Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I'm going to begin reading at verse 37. I read in the bulletin, verse 38, but let me back up one verse. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what should we do, or what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I want to use the, the title this morning, The Invitation. It is something that we do at the close of every worship service. It's what we call give an invitation. That probably isn't a very good term, but I don't know of anything better to use, and so we've used it. And I want to talk about what that really means this morning. In the scripture that we read, you may very well recall, but if not, let me bring it to your memory, that this was the day of Pentecost, when the 120 of Jesus' disciples were in the upper room, waiting for something to happen, they didn't know what it was going to be, and finally the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they lost all their fear. They rushed out into the streets and started preaching. They preached in all kinds of languages that they didn't even know. Quite a miracle took place that day, and some people mocked and accused them of being drunk. They were just babbling, they said. But Peter stood up and preached a dynamic sermon. And the end of that sermon was that the 3,000 people became saved in one service. After he had spoken to them, that 37th verse said that they were pricked in their heart. They were under conviction. They realized that what the speaker had said was in fact very true. That they were guilty of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And they cried out. I can imagine that it must have been nearly in unison when great numbers of people cried out to the apostles and the others and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter responded, Repent, be baptized. An invitation was given, we could say. People were under conviction and they needed to know what to do. And it is upon that very theme that I want to speak to morning this morning. What are you to do? 
when an invitation is given. That is expected. Why do all preachers stand and say the invitation is extended? While we stand and sing, you are invited to come forward. To do what? Why come forward? What does all of this mean? There are three things that I want I want to talk about. Maybe more than three. Let me start this way. There are times when you and I have been in a congregation such as this and you felt a stirring within you that you couldn't explain. You didn't know what to do. You felt like as if the Lord were talking directly to you and telling you to do something, to make a statement, to render a decision, what were you to do? You saw yourself in a different light than you'd ever seen yourself before. Like Isaiah, who on one occasion cried out, Woe is me! I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. You might feel sometimes, woe is me. As many of us, I felt it, perhaps most, maybe all in this congregation have felt it. And it cries out for you to do something. Do something. To make a response. And if you don't make a response, you're liable to shrug it off. And later race lies and say, well, I was just emotional. The invitation, what does it mean? I think we give three invitations. One, first of all, is to the Christian. If you are a Christian, morning, I want to talk first of all to you and say the invitation is always extended to you. Always. Because we recognize that there are times in our lives when we have not lived for the Lord like we should have lived. And it is a time of decision to decide I'm going to get back on the right track. It's a time of rededication, a time of repentance, a time of speaking to the Lord in a different way than maybe you ever spoke to him before, a time of establishing the relationship that you once had with him, but maybe for some reason or other has been broken, a time to do that. And when an invitation is given, there are times Christians need to be out of their seat and come forward. For more than one reason, but let me just briefly say a couple. If one has been recognized as a person who has been away from the Lord, though he claims to be Christian, he needs to publicly declare his renewal so that the world knows that he recognizes his sin and has returned to a fellowship with the Lord. 
I'm not at all suggesting that a person ought to hang out in his lawn with a private sin for everybody to review. Not at all. But I am saying when sin is public, sin needs to be repented of. That the Christian needs to do. And it ought to be done in a worship service where everybody can see that you're serious about this renewal. And we've had that happen time and time again throughout our services. And it needs to be done. Sometimes you simply need to spend some time in private prayer with nobody knowing anything about what's going on in your life. And maybe you need to be up here at the altar on your knees praying to God, not at the display so that everybody can see you, but at a time when you are serious with God about your relationship to Him. So that's one kind of invitation. Another is an invitation to become members of the church. Why join a church? Why be a member of this church or any other church? Well, let me state first and foremost, becoming a Christian and joining a church is not identical. They're different. I sat in the home of a couple some three years ago, maybe two, with the intent of the man in the house to lead him to Christ and he accepted the Lord and I think through ignorance the, the wife got up and went to the telephone and called somebody and said so and so I'll call him Joe just joined the church and Joe didn't join the church hadn't even been inside the church door at that time for any purpose at all. He had opened his heart up to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is first and foremost important and necessary. But once one has done that, then the consideration as to what his relationship is to the church comes into focus. After one is saved, then one wants to be obedient to the person who has saved him. And we can't explain all of this, but Jesus, on one occasion, identified the fact that he was establishing the church. That is, a body, among other things, a body of his believers, his followers, his devotees. It is through this human organization that even that the Lord established that we become identified with a body of believers that are standing up and saying, I have taken my stand with Jesus Christ. And I join my brothers and sisters in a common purpose of announcing my intention to serve Jesus Christ. But it is through this organization that so many wonderful things take place. It's very, very difficult and I think probably impossible to be a secret Christian. I think it's difficult and maybe impossible. I'll speak to that more fully in a little bit. There is a cry from the Lord to join a body of believers where you can identify with that body who believes, 
But listen, don't expect that body to be perfect. We have people who go from church to church to church to church to church to church looking for the ideal body. Looking for that group of people who never fuss, who are always loving, who never fail to go to church, who pray and sing well and praise God with every breath. You're not going to find it in a physical organization that we call the church. This church, nor any other church you go to, will not fit that description. And if you're looking for it, you're going to be eternally disappointed when we're talking about the organization this physical body that's present here in the world. But we are the, the body of people here and there throughout the world who are proclaiming the name of Christ, however imperfect we're doing it, and the church becomes the vehicle whereby every individual can actually work and serve the Lord. You see, once we have been saved, there is the next decision, and that is to serve. There is a little song that we sing sometimes. Sinner, do you love my Jesus? And if the answer is yes, and there's another verse that says, if you love him, why not serve him? And the church is the vehicle of service, the identity of Christ in the world. We, he has no hands but our hands, no feet but our feet, says the poem. He has given us the honor of being himself in the world to a degree. That we are to be his hands and his feet and his voice. We are to proclaim and speak his gospel. This is the church. And every person ought to be a part of a body that does this very thing. And so the invitation is extended at time for people to join this local organization that we call the Olive Branch Missionary Baptist Church and, and other people call theirs by some other name. There ought to be an identity with a body that believes in Jesus Christ. Through that that we serve. Thirdly, the invitation is extended to those who are not saved. Paul said to the Corinthians that it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We have a worship service. That's what we call this that we're doing this morning. And it has certain elements to it. We start off by call to worship that the choir does. We did this morning and do every Sunday morning. We have a period of announcements to get those things out of the way because there are certain things that we need to know about what's going on. We give everybody an opportunity to request prayer. By that time, we're beginning to get serious in the worship. Every once in a while, we forget that the purpose of the, what the purpose of the worship service is, and and, and suddenly uh, someone, myself, or, or someone in the congregation will remember an announcement that wasn't made right in the worst place in the world because the intent of the service is to bring a person face-to-face -face with God. And while a person is considering that face-to-face -face confrontation and we make an announcement about a pizza party, or I'm just using that as an illustration, 
it certainly hasn't done much to bring him face to face with God. Then we come to that point where we preach. The intent of the sermon, of course, has many facets. But one of the intents of a sermon is to lay before the unsaved something that will help them understand that, number one, the lost and that they need to be saved. That needs to be done and is a part of the service. We need to lay out the plan of salvation and explain how a person is saved. And hopefully that's done throughout uh, my preaching and others that you hear. It doesn't have to always be done in a worship service. And many times people make decisions for Christ somewhere else. Matter of fact... Paul and Silas and others were in prison in Philippi at midnight. What were they doing? They were singing hymns. And there was an earthquake. And the doors of the jail were jarred off their hinges and flew open. The shackles that were on their feet were loosed. And the jailer woke out of sleep and saw what was happened there and thought, my, all of my prisoners have escaped. And he drew out his sword to kill himself because to allow a prisoner to escape in that day meant execution. So he was going to kill himself before they could execute him. And Paul cried out to him and said, Do yourself no harm. We're all here. The jailer got a life, rushed in and fell down before Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul answered. His answer was very simple. You see, salvation is not a complicated thing. Salvation begins with knowing that you're lost. If a person doesn't know he's lost, he's never going to be found. never going to be saved. He knew he was lost. And he wanted to know, what must I do to be saved? Paul made a response that so many people refused to accept. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we say. The word believe means more than just acknowledging in one's mind that there was a historic Jesus who died on a cross and rose again, just a historic fact, it is talking about one acknowledging in his mind and heart, his total being, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for one sin, and one person is going to respond to that. Say, I receive that which I know to be true. The first step in salvation is to believe Jesus as the Christ who came and died for one sin. I'm going to give it, I suppose these steps could be done in different ways, but I want to give six steps, six things that I think need to be considered. The first thing that an unsaved person needs to do is acknowledge that he's lost and believe that Jesus Christ came to die for him. 
second step that I'm going to suggest is that we need to ask for God's mercy. Seek His forgiveness. Ask to be saved. Repent of your sins. For the scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God does not want a person to be lost. He wants everybody to be saved. And he invites, it is his invitation, and says, come receive my son as your savior. Ask God is the second step for mercy. Repent to him. God, forgive me. Thirdly, is accept the death of Christ on the cross as a person who died in place of you. Somebody's going to die for sin. The person is going to die for sin or Jesus Christ will die for his sin. Somebody's going to die. And God loved this old world enough that he sent his own son to give up all of the glories of heaven and take upon himself the miserable status of a man be born in manger, live in a spiteful world, and die at the hands of people who hated him in order that we would not have to die. And God gave him no price attached. Free. But unless a person accepts the gift, he gets it. I can hand you a gift all day long, but until you receive it, you never own it. So the gift is offered, and one accepts it. Then for and here's where too many people want to stop, just short of number four. That is, if you have received, you believe, you have sought forgiveness, you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, the fourth step is to declare that faith. Declare it. That's why in an invitation we always ask a person to get out of his seat and come forward to declare what he says he believes in his heart. Several years ago in a revival meeting, a man about six foot eight inches tall started to walk down the aisle came up to me to declare his faith and asked the church to baptize him. He said to me afterward, I want you to know I've been a Christian for a long time. I just never did tell anybody. And I said, I want you to know I don't believe a word you're saying. Listen, if you believe in your heart but you won't tell anybody, do you really believe? Jesus said, he that is ashamed of me in this sinful and adulterous generation, of him will I be ashamed before my Father, which is in heaven. It takes some nerve, I know, to step out of a pew and walk up an aisle. None of us like to have everybody looking at us as we do something. Even standing up here and having everybody sing happy birthday to us is not very comforting some, to some people. We understand that. But 
But listen, you're making a statement. You're saying, I am declaring before this whole congregation that I know that I'm a sinner, that I've asked God to forgive me, and that I'm receiving his son as a free gift, and now I live because he died for me, and I'm not ashamed to stand up and let the people know that I finally have made a decision. We're going to have two girls come forward in a little bit who are doing that very thing. We're going to have a gentleman come forward to ask for membership in this church this morning who did that just a few weeks ago. We need to declare that which we believe. Paul said to the Romans in the first chapter of Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I want to turn over to it. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, a very important verse that I think we need to understand. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. Jew first and also to the Greek, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel. If you're ashamed to take a stand with other people who have done the same thing at some point in time, then I think we have to ask the question, do you really believe? Have you really received? Or are you trying to do something in secret? Then lastly, the next step is to be baptized. We're baptized for several reasons, but let me give it to you very briefly. Number one, we're baptized because that is obedience. We are told to be baptized. Baptism is a declaration, a public declaration, a, a putting our name on the dotted line, a complete open and above board statement that I have believed and have received Jesus Christ. It's the indoctrination into the faith. And of course, it's one of the means by which we receive members. But, look at its symbol. It symbolizes that Jesus died and was buried and arose again. Can you not see that in the, in the symbol of the, the, the water baptism? It further symbolizes that a person has died his old way of living. He buried, was buried in the water, symbol that, that he has totally died and has been buried, and then he comes out to symbolize a new person. You see, a person who was lost and is now saved is two different people. The lost is dead, the saved are alive. That's what the scripture teaches. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. And then the last step is to serve once one has gone this far, become a part of the church and do the things that, that a Christian ought to do. So what I've tried to lay out real quickly this morning are three different invitations. One is to the Christian. When you see yourself in the relationship to God in a disturbing way, it perhaps is time for decision. If you're not a member of a church or you're a member of some other church someplace else, you're a Christian, you believe in Christ, you've been 
baptizing all through all those things, but that you're not a part of the fellowship. It's decision time. It may very well be you ought to be a part of this fellowship. And you ought to declare that by getting out of your seat, coming forward, saying, I want to be a member of this church. But thirdly, and more importantly this morning, it may be that you're not a Christian. You have never declared your faith in Christ publicly. You ought to do it. Unless you want the Lord to hang his head in shame. Is he not important enough and valuable enough to our lives that we would want to declare him publicly to the whole world? Is this not valuable enough that we would forget about our embarrassment and everybody looking? I don't know how to keep that from happening. Spotlight is on you. We would love to see you, if you're not a Christian, make your declaration of faith. Do you believe in him? Do you know he died on the cross? Will you receive him as your Savior? Then won't you step out of your seat and publicly say, you bet I will. And I'm going to stand here as a man or a woman or a boy or a girl to publicly declare him as my Savior. Now, we are going to extend the invitation. We haven't got that figured out by now. And when we do that, we have three people that are going to come up here. Mr. Reynolds is going to come this morning. We'll ask this church to receive him as a member. He was baptized a few weeks ago right here. At that point in time, he wasn't sure if he wanted to be a part of our fellowship or go to another church. He has decided that he wants to be here. We have two girls sitting up here on the front row that have made their decision for the Lord, and they're going to come up and stand with me to declare their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and ask you to receive them for baptism. The decision's already made. We'll do that, and then the girls and I are going to leave and get ready for baptizing. The invitation is continued to be extended to those of you who need to make decisions. Now is a good time to do it. You're going to have company. And uh, on top of that, I'm going to ask that Misty come up this morning. Misty was baptized last Sunday. I have her baptismal certificate, and I'm going to give it to her this morning. And uh, afterward, we'll uh, recognize her membership in the church. And, and uh, with Mr. Reynolds and, and Misty, you will uh, have an opportunity to recognize them and welcome them into our fellowship while the girls and I are... Uh, getting dressed again, but I'll explain that to you in a little bit. Are you ready for a decision? What do you need to do with regard to your life and God? Is it time for you to get up out of your seat and make a declaration? If it is, we invite you to do it. You're a Christian, you want to spend some time at the rail, I want you to do it. If you want to make a statement to this congregation, I'll give you the opportunity. If you are a member of another church or not a member of any church and you want to join this church like Mr. Reynolds wants to do this morning, we want you to come up here. If you're not a Christian and you want to declare your faith in Christ, we invite you to come. Let's pray.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.